0: Has completely devastated over 150 of the world's major regions, and then is spreading rapidly. At this point in time, we know of only one method of killing the creatures: to destroy the brain. Be on the guard of any loved ones who may have recently been in any sort of contact with the infected. And if you find yourself up in a threatened position, please do not hesitate to act. Again, this is not a test. This is not a joke. We, as a species, are overwhelmed are outnumbered. Well, good morning. It is wonderful to see you. For those of you here in Plymouth, welcome. And for those of you at Northridge Brighton, welcome. So glad that you're here with us. And we are excited, kind of, about this new series. I mean, let's put it this way. Survival Guide for the Zombie Apocalypse? Are you kidding me? It's kind, of, it's kind of bizarre on the front end, right? I mean, it's like, it, it seems really quite trivial and superficial on the front end of that. But I, I, I'm going to tell you if you'll stick with me in this series, I believe you're going to be surprised at what you experience. And in fact, I believe if you're at all like I am, You're going to be spiritually challenged, and I just really want to encourage you. Yes, it's a it's a trendy topic in our world, but this series is going to deeply impact people. So I hope that you'll be inviting them in, both here in Plymouth and Brighton, and at all of our regional campuses. And if you have friends around the world, why don't you tell them that they can watch on NorthridgeChurch.com? We give these services away and these talks away. But I have to tell you personally, I've never been into the whole zombie deal. It's just not been my gig. So for those of you who think, oh, for two and a half decades, this guy's been just waiting to do a zombie series. I know that. That's, that's just that's just not true. These fictional creatures, and they are fictional, by the way, have been around forever. Many of you probably don't know. You You probably think that it's a recent deal, but the very first zombie movie was made in 1932. So... We human beings have been messed up for a very long time. I mean, that first movie was called The White Zombie. I've never seen it. I can't tell you if it's good or not. But, but I've just never really enjoyed them. I, I'm, more of a, I'm more of a romantic comedy kind of guy. <laughs> I know that seems obvious. I come off as Mr. Romantic. I get it. But... But I really am. I, I, I'd i take Sleepless in Seattle and Notting Hill way over Night of the Living Dead and Zombieland. I, I mean, they just not my gig. And now some of you out there, are, you know, are probably going, well, the dude's just henpecked, right? I mean, Roxanne's just got him under her thumb and she's trained him well. That's just not true because, you see, Roxanne loves zombie and horror movies. I... I mean, she's whacked out of her mind this, so I'm in there crying with romantic comedies, and she's going, yeah, take his head off! You know, it's just kind of an interesting relationship we've got going. But uh, several years back, my, my kids introduced me to the AMC TV series, The Walking Dead, which is a huge phenomenon, right, in our world these days. And I, I have to tell you, the things we parents do for our kids, right? But along the way, this, this series, The Walking Dead, grabbed me. Now to be honest, I'm, I love creativity and I love great storytelling. And quite frankly, the first couple of seasons of The Walking Dead was spectacular storytelling. It really was. Uh, it's been hit and miss a couple of seasons since, but, but it has. But here's what really has surprised me as I've been watching The Walking Dead. It has impacted me spiritually. And that just sounds odd to most people. Most people watch stories, experience them. It's great entertainment. But The Walking Dead has impacted me spiritually. As it turns out, this story about zombies, The Walking Dead, is amazingly relevant and and it's a powerful metaphor for our spiritual lives. In fact, let me say it right out. You you need to hear this right from the beginning. Spiritually, we are experiencing a zombie apocalypse in our world. We just are. Spiritually speaking, we're experiencing a zombie apocalypse in our personal lives. And when you really dig down into it, you realize this is why our world's so messed up and this is why we are so messed up. And all you have to do is look at the definitions of zombie apocalypse. I Take the word apocalypse. It means, it uh, it refers to a great disaster. It refers to a great disaster that causes great damage and and potentially world-ending kind of damage. Well, this is exactly what happened when Adam and Eve disobeyed God, decided they were smarter than God and could go it on their own and sinned against him. You see, the world we're living in today is not the world that God originally created. It's been significantly damaged. The fall of mankind was a great disaster that ended the world as it was supposed to be. And take the word zombie. It's just a a way of referring to the walking dead, these people who have died physically but are still kind of walking around physically. This is exactly what happened to us when sin entered our world when when we separated ourselves from God spiritually speaking we became the living dead we we we're still breathing yes but we're separated from God and we're separated from the life that God originally intended for us we're physically still living but we are spiritually dead because when you get separated from God, you don't have life. He's the author of it. And so here we are in this world, physically living, physically breathing, but without God and without hope in this world. So we really are experiencing a zombie apocalypse in our spiritual lives. And, and, and think about it. In the Bible, God has given us the world's only trustworthy survival guide. He tells us how to live and and how to behave and how we can experience his best. And so, so survival guide for the zombie apocalypse, it's right from heaven's door to us. This is a brilliant series, if I can say so myself. It's what the Bible's all about. Now, if we're going to really understand the metaphor and be impacted by it, then we have to understand that every zombie movie, every zombie story is a little bit different. And they are fictional worlds that the creators have to lay out parameters for so that it will become somewhat believable. We'll be able to experience it in our lives and relate to it. Well, in some zombie movies, um, the zombies can run. I don't know if you saw World War Z. It starred Brad Pitt, but those were freaky zombies, man. They They could run fast. They have scary stuff. And on The Walking Dead, zombies, you know, they can't run. They're kind of more like this. You know, the tongue's hanging out of their mouth. They drill. In fact, they don't even need legs. They've got guts hanging out of their abdomens and they're crawling in the ground, you know, but they're, they're not moving fast. And for those of you who are going, hey, Brad, be careful. My kids are in here. You have heard we have kids ministry, right? I mean, just, just kind of a thought. You can head them on over to DI right now if you'd like. And... Uh, The whole deal is, I mean, they're different. In in some zombie stories, all you have to do is get a little bit of the blood in your eye or in your mouth, and you've got the virus, it's over for you. But in The Walking Dead, man, you've got to get chomped on, you know? I mean, it's like, they've got to like, eat you for dinner and then you you get it it's it requires a bite so they're different stories and so for the purpose of this series so that we can get our best impact from the metaphor i'm going to go with the parameters established in this this tv series that's so popular now the walking dead and i i i don't want you to think this has The full backing and approval of Northridge Church. I don't want you to go away and saying, Brad thinks this is Jesus' storytelling to the world. I don't want you to think that. All right. At the same time, we really can be impacted by it. What I want to do is I want to establish the metaphor for you by making three comparisons and drawing them over. And I'm going to start with the zombies themselves. In The Walking Dead telling of the story, the zombies were people who, when they stopped breathing or when they got bitten by another zombie, became these walking dead creatures, destined to be like this forever, rather mindless, sauntering, with no hope in this world. And all they do is walk around and mindlessly seek to consume and to destroy Those who are still living people and interestingly in the walking dead world and this is a spoiler alert If you've ever thought about watching this thing it's spoiler alert spoiler alert in season two We find out that all the people in that world Are infected with the zombie virus not all the people are controlled by it or owned by it or destroyed by it yet But they will one day be if they're bitten or when they stop breathing They'll become zombies. Well, think about this. In our world, spiritually speaking, it's the same exact thing. Everyone in our world is infected by a life-destroying virus. And the Bible calls that life-destroying virus what? Sin. Absolutely. And the result of this life-destroying virus, sin, is death. Immediate Death, because when you get separated from God, the author of life, you experience death. And so, though we keep breathing, and though we keep walking, and though we keep consuming in the world physically, according to God, we're spiritually dead. The the Bible says it. Ephesians chapter 2, look at verses 1 through 3. As for you, now you need to know who he's talking to. He's talking to people who have found new life in Christ who've put faith in Christ. They've experienced the power of Jesus dying in their place and then being raised to new life. And so he's saying to these people with new life, as for you, you need to remember who you were. You were dead. Now he doesn't say you were going to die, there was a potential for death. He's saying in the past tense, before you found new life in Christ, you were dead. Dead? Why? Because of the virus you had, your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. You allowed Satan and his deception to own you, and the sin destroyed you. Satan, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. And then he says something, because there are some of us saying here, no, that wasn't me. I was never dead in my transgressions and sins. Are you kidding? I was born Baptist. (laughs) I was never born... Dead my, I didn't have dead in transgressions. I was born Catholic or I was born this. Wrong. Because God says all of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. And so like the rest, all of us were by nature objects of wrath. That means under the condemnation of sin, which is death. The Bible makes it clear that every single one of us born infected by sin, and thus walking dead. Physically alive, but spiritually dead. And the Bible tells us that we were born infected with this virus. Look at Psalm 51.5. Surely I was sinful at birth. Sinful from the time my mother conceived me. And there are some of us who go, wait a minute. You know, the metaphor doesn't really work because zombies are mindless creatures, I mean, they're mindless. You know, they don't even know to hold their tongue in. All they're doing is drawing. Uh, you know, what I mean, that, they're just mindless. No cognitive ability. Well, it's interesting, because if you really look at the story, they know when the noise is made, they know when something's going on, and they start trailing. Something's going on in there to direct them that way. And, and when you give them a fatal brain blow, I'm trying to be sensitive, when, when you do something that eliminates their gray matter, then they die forever. And so, though they have limited cognitive ability, they do have something going on there. And, but a lot of people go, see, we have our full cognitive ability. You say we're dead, but we have the ability to fully understand and fully think, and that's where we show that we're more mindless than we think. Because the reality is that we don't have full control of our thoughts. We don't have full cognitive ability. In fact, we're quite limited to understand our lives, who we are, and why we do what we do. Which is why we keep doing so much junk in this world. And look what God says in 2 Corinthians 4.4. The God of this age, the evil one, who is the one that's inflicted us all with this virus, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers the walking dead, so that they cannot even see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. He's saying because of sin, we can't even see the simple truth that Jesus is the light, that his good news is the hope. And this explains why though Jesus was doing only compassionate, wonderful things, showing the power of God and healing people, they pounded him to a cross and they said they did it for God. It shows their limited cognitive ability. So spiritually speaking, by nature, all human beings are infected by the virus of sin and all human beings on their own are zombies. The walking dead, the metaphor transfers. So let's go to the next point of comparison. And it's regarding the survivors. In order to have a story, you, you basically you know, have to have different groups of people. And in The Walking Dead, there are a group of survivors... And for those of you who are fans, you, you, know, you know them as Rick and Daryl and Maggie and Michonne and Glenn. Woo-hoo. You know, those guys. And, and these are the people who are not yet controlled by the, the infection. They have it, but they're not controlled by it. it. It's in them, but it hasn't destroyed them yet. If they get bitten, done. When they stop breathing, done. Unless someone gives them that fatal uh, head injury. And, and here's the interesting thing about The Walking Dead. For the survivors there's no cure. This is their end. The die is cast. And so their entire struggle is to avoid getting bit, to live as long as they can, to just survive. And that's all they can do. They can't change the world. They can't change the world. All they can do is survive, knowing that in the end, that's their lot. And and It's a tiring life when you watch it. I think the story is told very well because it's a tiring life. It's just struggle after struggle, loss after loss, and no real hope that things will get better. And this is one of the reasons many of you might not want to watch it because it's just, it's dark. It's extremely negative. There's no reason for optimism in this story at all. And so some of the characters, because they're honest storytellers, just give up. In this story, the the strong tend to have a better chance than the weak. But know this, even the strong are susceptible. Ultimately, they've got the virus, and they're going to go down. And and if they're not wise, they're going to get taken out. Well, in our world, spiritually, the survivors would represent only those of us who have been given new life in Christ. Because unlike in The Walking Dead, where everyone's infected but not all are dead, God's made it clear that all of us are infected and therefore all of us are dead in our trespasses and sins. We're all the walking dead. None of us can know God on our own. There's not the religious and the irreligious. There's not the good and the bad. I mean, we're all dead spiritually. So the survivors are those who have experienced new life, new birth through the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Since the virus produces death, Jesus, who never sinned, who never had the virus, died in our place on that cross, and then rose again to give us new life. And so we become genuine survivors when we have faith in him. And like in The Walking Dead, the survivors don't represent the majority. And you know that Jesus made it clear that the majority of people will never have new life in Christ. The majority of people will always just be The Walking Dead, now and forever, He said, broad is the road that leads to destruction, and and that's where the multitudes are. And boy, narrow is the road that leads to life, and there are just a few who find it. That explains a lot about our world, right? Just very few who are truly following Christ. So apart from Christ, there are no survivors. Spiritually, they're just walking dead. But in Christ, we're born anew. We're given new life. We become genuine survivors. The great news about our world in contrast to theirs is that in our world, there's a cure. In our world, there's hope. Look at Ephesians 2, verses 4 and 5. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us, what's that word? Alive. We were dead, but he made us alive with Christ. That's why the resurrection is so important. Even when we were dead, the walking dead, physically alive, spiritually dead because of sin, it is by grace you've been saved. And so there are genuine survivors. Any one of us who's truly put our faith in Christ, we're a genuine survivor. But this is where the story takes on impacting relevance to us. Like the survivors in the world of walking dead, So those of us who are Christ followers are in constant danger of having our lives messed up by evil, by the walking dead. The evil one and all those blinded by his deception are constantly on the prowl seeking to mess up, seeking to consume, seeking to take down and destroy us. And so those of us who truly have life in Christ have to live wisely. We have to do everything we can to not let them get us. We have, to, we have to live our entire lives, everything we do and don't do, every place we go and don't go. We have to live it all focused on one idea if we're really going to experience the life Jesus has for us. And do you know what that one idea is? Don't get bit. The whole thing. You didn't know life boiled down to those three words, did you? Christianity is boiled down to those three words. Don't get bit. Don't let evil or darkness win in our lives. Which then leads to the third point of comparison necessary to really benefit from this metaphor. And it's the bite. This is some people's favorite part about the walking dead. There's a show called Talking Dead where they celebrate, you know... The bites and how you take the zombies out. I mean, it's just really crazy. I mean, it, you people are strange who are really into this. But the bite is an important aspect because in The Walking Dead, when a zombie bites a survivor, it releases the full effects of the zombie infection. I mean, boom. When you get bitten in The Walking Dead, it's over for you. You're defeated. You're done. So their entire goal in life is to stop this from happening. They can't get bit. And so they have to understand... The danger. They can never forget the danger. Because if they make just one little mistake, it's over for them. If they drop their guard for just a second, they no longer survive. And it doesn't matter how strong they are, because if they get stupid, it's over, strong or weak. Well, in our world, spiritually, those of us who have life in Christ can get bitten as well. And it happens when we allow anything or anyone to influence us to disobey God, to ignore God's truth, to move outside of his leading, to sin. That's when we get bitten by evil, and that's when we get messed up. Adam and Eve in the beginning of the Bible are a great example of this. They, they got bit by the serpent. Now for those of you who know the story, you go, wait, the serpent didn't bite them. Oh yes, it did. It didn't bite them physically, but it laid down the lie, it laid down the deception, it laid down everything it wanted to destroy them. And, and the evil one convinced them that eating a piece of fruit was no big deal. And that's easy to buy, right? I've read the FDA reports, we're supposed to eat a lot of fruit, right? And so the evil one says, it's just fruit. It's not gonna kill you, it's a big deal. But it was a big deal because God had said no. It was sin to eat it. And when they ate it, when they bit on the deception of the serpent, serpent, they got bit by evil and it robbed them of their lives and it's robbed us of ours we need to realize that when sin gets its teeth into us it has a destructive force that can't be underestimated as with the survivors in the story of the walking dead we need to do whatever we can to avoid being bitten we have to come to grips with how destructive of a force it can be in our lives and so I wanna lay it down almost everything in this world is trying to get us to ignore god's truth to to move in our own direction in spite of god's truth to obey our wants and pursue our wants instead of obeying god and and pursuing his wants and you need to know that when that bites us it destroys us it ruins the life that we've been given by jesus it ruins our opportunity to know the light and the love and the joy that he's given us and that's why there's an old saying that i think is so relevant to this particular comparison with the walking dead and it's so old that many of you will be hearing it for the first time but it's so important sin will take you farther than you want to go Sin will keep you longer than you want to stay and sin will cost you more than you want to pay. Mark it down. It's the destroying force in this world. Jesus died so that we could have life. Sin destroys the life he's given us. Now there's good news in our story. Unlike in The Walking Dead, we can only get bitten if we choose to get bitten. Now this is really quite odd. Now, if you watch The Walking Dead, I've never seen someone go up and say, okay, zombie man, just take me down. Have a good meal. That's just not happened. They, They get bitten by mistake, by accident. It's outside of their choice. But did you know in the spiritual realm, we can't get bitten unless we choose to get bitten? Adam and Eve chose to follow the deceiver. They chose to get bitten. Look at how Romans chapter 6 verse 16 says it. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves, when you make the choice to give yourselves to someone to obey as slaves, you become their slaves to the one that you obey. So if you become slaves to sin, which leads to death, you've made that choice to get bitten by that destructive force. But if you've made the choice to, to obey, which leads to righteousness, it's because you've chosen it. So this is good news. You know, I mean, once we have new life in Christ, we have the choice about getting bitten or not. But the bad news is, because we don't fear it as much as we should, because we don't respect it as much as we should, because we have the tendency to get big-time stupid sometimes, we all choose to get bit by deception. And we experience its destructive force. So this weekend, as we begin this journey into this story, which is a powerful, impacting metaphor, I want to give you this truth. Because of God's grace, we can do more than just survive. Now this is important, because in the Walking Dead story, you realize the best they've got is survival. It's the best they've got. I've already said it's just tiring. It's like... One loss after another It's all pessimism It's all bad news And and the best they can do is survive But that's not true In the world of life That God has given us In Christ we can do more Than just survive We can actually overcome In Christ we can live well Even in this messed up Zombie apocalypse world You see in Christ The world is not hopeless There's a cure We can get help and it comes from an amazing place. Look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. You, dear children, those of you who are genuine survivors, you have new life in Christ, you are from God, and have overcome them, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Now there's a promise. He is in us. We can survive, thrive, and live well. Here's the point. It's worth the fight. It's worth the struggle. There's light and life in the midst of all the darkness and death. And unlike in the fictional world of The Walking Dead, there is hope in our world. The sad reality is so few of us are experiencing the hope because so many of us are getting constantly bit. If we're going to embrace the hope and overcome and genuinely live great lives, I want to give you the first rule from God's survival guide, the Bible. I want to give you the first rule. Don't get bit. I mean, you don't have to be a genius. Don't get bit. Look at Galatians 5.1. This is what God says. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. He wanted us to be free of this darkness, free of this despair, free of this tire, tiring struggle. He wants us to be free to live But he says, stand firm then and don't let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. What's that last part saying? It's saying, I made you to be free, but you can become a slave again. You can become ruined and destroyed again if you let yourself get bit. Don't get bit. I believe this is so important. It should be on our mirror in our bathroom in the morning so when we go in, we go, don't get bit, oh yeah. Good idea. I think we should put it on our rear view mirror in the car. And I'm serious. Who cares if you get in a car accident because you put a three by five card on your rear view mirror? As long as you don't get bit. Because the whole deal is not to get bit. Because it's when we get bit that our life gets ruined. That we experience tragedy. That we miss what God wants us to. Now, I grew up in a religious environment where, you know, the teacher up there would would give an imperative, you know, like, don't get bit. And then they'd say, have a good week. And i go, wait a minute. How am I supposed to do that? Because I was kind of a person that got bit a lot. And, and so it's was like, how do I do that? And they just say, don't get bit, just do it. It was, like, it was like Nike was their God, right? Just don't get bit. But I want you to know, God has given us ways that we can avoid getting bit. And so before we end this first weekend, I, I want to share some of those principles with you. Okay, fair enough. This is what you can do to make sure you don't get bit. Uh, the first thing is you have to, have to stay alert. I mean, look, I, I, I watch this story, The Walking Dead, and I go, you guys are asleep. What is wrong with you? I mean, how many times do you have to see someone get bit before you understand there's a problem here, right? Look at First Peter chapter 5.8 to bring it into our spiritual lives. Peter writes, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Do you, that's the picture of the walking dead story. He's saying, you've got to stay alert. You've got to be awake. There's... Evil prowling around, trying to destroy you, trying to bite you, trying to ruin you. And you know, Peter knew firsthand what this was like because Jesus warned him, you know, Peter, you talk real big, but you better watch and pray. You better stay alert because, I mean, you're gonna, you're gonna get taken down. And Peter said, no, not me, no, not me, no, not me. Fell asleep on the job. He dropped his guard, and what happened? He blew it big time, and it forever traumatized him. Even though his forgiveness wasn't final, it traumatized him. He failed Jesus at that critical moment, and we can do the same thing. And so Peter says, you guys, you have to stay alert. Evil's lurking. It's going to take you down. Don't mess up. And yet, I'm going to tell you, most of us this last week didn't wake up every morning saying today, don't get bit. We didn't even think about the possibility. You know what we thought about? Can I get that promotion, you know? How's my bank account doing? How about this, you know? You know, am I going to get hit on match.com? Those kind of things. That's what we're thinking about. What we need to be thinking about is not getting bit. But we fall asleep. We are absolutely clueless that danger is lurking around every corner. This is such an important point and so true to our nature that we thought giving you a picture of it would help. So watch this guy. Guy was clueless. He had no idea. He even slips in the little store. Did you notice that? He had no idea what was going on. And that's how most of us live. If we're going to avoid getting bitten, then we have to stay alert. If we forget for a moment, we can make the tragic mistake. David, a man after God's own heart in the Bible, failed unbelievably, all because he dropped his guard and he didn't stay alert. Doesn't matter if you're strong or weak, if you forget for a moment, you can get taken out. Don't get bit. It's true, failure is not final. But don't misunderstand that truth. Though failure isn't final and we can ultimately be forgiven, it doesn't mean failure is not tragic and it doesn't mean failure is not traumatic and it doesn't mean failure can't ruin your life. The truth is my greatest fear in this world is not finishing well. I mean, God could use me for a couple of decades to make an impact, but then if I drop my guard and I don't stay alert, And I take a bite on some deception and I get bit by evil. It could take me out and I could never again have the privilege of doing what God's called me to do. doesn't mean I can't be forgiven. It means I've lost so much because of my failure. All because I don't stay alert. Stay alert because if you don't, it can ruin your lives. Jesus has given us life. Let's live it well. If we're going to avoid being bitten, then we have to understand reality. It's another way. We have to understand reality. Look at 1 Corinthians 15, Don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. We're in a world that, that is so messed up. No matter how good we are in the moment, it can take us out in the walking dead. The zombies can look really easy to avoid. I mean, sometimes it's almost laughable. It's like you can walk around and flick them in the ears and, you know, kind of dance and all that stuff. And it's like they're really easy. But when you forget the reality that they have the ability to totally destroy you and you take it lightly, that's when you're in danger. And that happens to us all the time. It's true in our world. You see, it's easy to get lulled to sleep spiritually, to feel like we can handle all the exposure to darkness, all the disobedience, all the evil, all the temptation, all the lust without being affected. But it's not true. God says, if you pour hot coals into your lap, you're going to get burnt. You can't play games with evil because David didn't understand his reality when he was standing on his palace roof and, and consumed with lust for Bathsheba, which led him to not only adultery, but to murder. Murder it so impacted his life and ruined him that he decided he needed to always understand his reality and he needed to set some new rules and so he did it was looking at the wrong thing in the wrong way that ruined him so look what he says in Psalm 101 verse 3 i will set before my eyes no vile thing he's not saying bathsheba was vile he's saying to lust after her sexually when she didn't belong to him when He didn't have that right. That was vile. And he wouldn't do it anymore. We need to understand our reality that that if we bite on deception, if we allow anything to move us away from obeying God's truth, it will destroy us, so we have to be cautious. If we're going to avoid being bitten, we can't forget the goal. And so, along with don't get bit, we need to remember, don't forget the goal. In in The Walking Dead, they have one goal, and their goal is to survive. As tiring as that is, just to survive. And when they forget this, they put themselves at risk. Well, the same is true for us. Look what the Apostle Paul said to us spiritually. Not that I've already obtained all this, or have already been made perfect. I'm not living the perfect life yet, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I don't want to waste the life God's given me. I don't want to waste the potential he's given me. And so he says, brothers, he's talking about fellow Christians, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. He said there's only one way I can live the life Jesus has given me. I can't forget the goal. It's not to have pleasure in the moment. It's to have God's pleasure in all moments. It's, it's, not to, it's not to be the richest, most successful zombie in the world. Who cares if I'm a billionaire if I can't even control my drool? Seriously. Why would we want to compete in the world where people are walking dead? They don't know God. He's saying, I've got to remember the goal is to, to live in relationship with God, to bring pleasure to God. And he had to remind himself every day and... Our goal is not short-term, it's long-term. When we forget this, it's so easy to get bit. We have to remember the goal. Too many of us are competing with the wrong vision, with the wrong dreams, with the wrong people, with the wrong reality. Why would we compete with people who are the walking dead when we should be trying to live the life Jesus has given us? Remember the goal. If we're going to avoid getting bitten, then we have to dress properly. And I'm not talking about, you know, bulletproof vest kind of stuff. I mean, this is a spiritual metaphor that we're dealing with. And look at how God paints it in Ephesians 6, verses 11 through 13. Put on the full armor of God. That's the clothing we need, God's armor. It's not seen, it's invisible, but without it, we will be destroyed by evil. put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle, it's not what it seems to be. It's not against flesh and blood. It's against rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, when you remember not to get bitten, that that's the goal, don't get bit, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you'll be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything, you remain standing. We need to dress properly and I'm, I'm not talking about rules and rituals that are religious in nature. I'm talking about God's principles. We need God's protective clothing on us. And we'll talk about some of that during this series, but you're not dressing properly if you're not spending time with God. You're not dressing properly if you're not walking with God. You're not dressing properly if you're not remembering that at any moment you can be taken out. There's one last thing. If we're going to Live up to the survival tip. Don't get bit. We need to choose wisely. The one thing you learn when you're watching The Walking Dead. is only the people who consistently choose wisely that remain alive. And the same is true in our life. And most of us don't live wisely. I mean I, I'm sorry. I have to put it in language that impacts me. When I say choose wisely I mean don't be stupid. Stupid kills people in the zombie apocalypse. And, and I'm talking to myself here. I have found that I'm too stupid to know when something's stupid. Have you ever found that? I prove this all the time. I make it's like I go, that's a good thing to do. Oops, Stupid. And so I have to choose wisely and there's only one way I can choose wisely and that's to choose to know that God's smarter than me and so when it's up against what I want or he says, I need to choose what he says and obey him every time because the minute I don't obey him, I just got bit by the evil one. I'm Adam and Eve all over again. And imagine how the world would be different if we all chose wisely. Think about Adam and Eve. If they had in the garden said, you know, that fruit really does look good. It looks like it's more healthy than the other fruit. It looks like it's tastier. I want that more than all the other fruit. It does look good. But God said no, and he's smarter than me, and so I'm not going to eat it. Can you imagine how the world would have changed if they knew they were stupid and God was smart? Look at James 4:7. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you you don't have to get bit we choose to get bit choose wisely in the end you need to know that there's only one way to be cured because we're all born infected by sin and the ultimate result of that is spiritual death we don't know God we can't live life We're the walking dead and there's only one way to be cured only one way and it's faith in Christ Jesus is our only hope for life Jesus the only people who will ever truly experience life and fullness are the people who know Jesus because other than that we're the walking dead his death takes the place of our death and his resurrection puts his life in place of our death so that we can live the only cure is faith in Christ some of us here are the walking dead I've been there all of us were The only way you can become alive is by putting faith in Christ. This is not one of those side issues. This is the issue. You need to put faith in Christ. And so before I unwrap the final application to all of us who are believers, I'm going to ask if you'd all bow with me in a word of prayer just for a moment. And as we bow in prayer, I want to invite those of you who are at Northridge Brighton to bow with me in prayer at this time as well. Maybe you're watching online. This is a moment that can save you forever. If you're here and you haven't yet ever put your full faith in Jesus, it's time for you to go from dead to alive. I'm going to pray and I want to encourage you to take my words in this prayer, but make them your words and in your heart express them to God. Just say, God, I need you to put new life in me. I believe that not only have I sinned against you and and been separated from you but I believe that without you I'll never live I believe that Jesus you died on the cross in my place and so in you I can be forgiven so I'm trusting your death to forgive me and I believe that my only life comes from your resurrection and so by faith I'm asking you to put your life in me And I'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you just prayed with me, before I make the final application, I really want to encourage you, please let me know. Uh, We gave you these survival guide programs, and on the back, we put a connection card. It's pretty clearly identified, and all you have to do is rip that out of your program, and then fill it out. And on the bottom, in that black bold area, there's a circle that you check that says today you prayed to receive Jesus. And if that's you... I really want to encourage you, fill it out, check that off. There are boxes at every single exit from all of our auditoriums. It's true for you in Brighton as well, or you can hand it to your guest reception people at the lo- in the lobby. And, and we'll send you a letter about next steps that you can take in your relationship with God. Now, listen, one of the big next steps that you can take is a thing we call starting point groups. And it's a way that you can build a foundation for understanding your relationship with God and God's Bible, the survival guide. It's like turbocharging your start. And we have new ones starting at the end of April. So they're in Brighton and here in Plymouth. All you have to do is go in the lobby. We've got teams there. They can sign you up for it. It's awesome. If you're watching online, check it out on our website. And we know that when we close the service, which we'll do in just a couple of minutes, God doesn't stop talking. And some of you really have questions and you'd like to talk to someone about them or maybe you need someone to pray with you or for you. And so we have a prayer team at all of our campuses and when everyone else is leaving, all you have to do is come and sit in the front of the auditorium and our prayer team will come and in a very appropriate and kind ways help you with where you're at. So I hope that you'll take advantage of that. Now, as a kind of final application, I want you to look at the last verse, 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. Everyone born of God overcomes the world you don't just struggle you just don't survive you overcome the world and this is the victory that's overcome the world this is how we live life well it's by our faith not only do we get the cure in Jesus but we get to live in Jesus he's the whole focus if we're not going to get bit we need to walk every moment in faith to what Jesus does in us and so here's what I want you to do. Before you'll ever put faith in Jesus in every moment, you have to know the need. And so here's how I'm going to help you with that. I want you to look at the last week of your life, just the last week of your life, and I'm going to ask you, in the last week of your life, do you see more bite marks representing failure in your life? Or do you see more victory celebrations representing success in your life? And I would bet most of us see a lot of bite marks. But you know what's beautiful? What's beautiful is God has given us a way to stop getting bitten and to start really living. He says, stay alert. Stay alert. Don't forget the goal. Understand your reality. Dress properly. Cloak yourself in God's power and choose wisely. Because when you do, Then, in the world of the zombie apocalypse, you get to experience light and love and life. And isn't that what we all long for? It's what Jesus came to give us. Let's make the choice. We'll see you next time.